uh, I started to realize that what was going on is in some ways an initiation or what happened at a very young age was an initiation into the world of the serpent and that in many animistic cultures shamanic cultures people go through you know very powerful even near-death experiences or deep encounters as initiatory experiences into a deeper body of work so i actually think that the snake was seeking my attention at a very early age and really calling me down the path of spirit but it required <laughs> some tenacity and some willingness to look at my shadow and i think that that is a big part of dream work you know we we have these fantastical beautiful dreams sometimes or really kind of boring whatever dreams but we also have to confront shadow in our dream work and it can be such a potent tool because it's kind of not happening in real time we get to wake up from it and work through it as opposed to like <laughs> actually encountering a rattlesnake at four years old that is ariella daly a beekeeper and dream worker and practitioner of a traditional bee shamanism dreaming with the bees and dreaming with the earth i loved talking with her and i'm sure you're going to see why at one point she talks about her technique the technique within her tradition called dream mirroring and how when you get all these mirrors from others about your own dream it's like a feast of dream food and I feel like this conversation was a bit of a feast as well you're going to hear us talk about this tradition of bee shamanism and also bees in general how the honeybee is part of a super organism and another important being in this tradition and in Ariella's dreaming, which is the serpent, the snake. Ariella reflects on traditional European women's spirituality and oral culture, the practice of dream mirroring, a few powerful dreams of Ariella's and one dream of mine. So there's a lot for you to enjoy here. Real quick before we jump into it, I want to make sure you know that you can now join public dream groups with me. So this is an option to do a one-time drop-in thing. You'll get a prompt for some creative writing or drawing inspired by dreams uh, as a way to engage with the dream, to be creative, and to get some new insights. We'll share our creative expressions and then do a projective dream work dream group, diving deep on one person's dream. I'm always amazed by the beauty and the insights and the genuine deep connection that happens in this way. So look at the dates and sign up at thedreamersden.org slash dreamgroups. I would love to see you there. And now my conversation with Ariella Daly. You're listening to the Dreamers Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navarre. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org slash open 
for a free video and mini book I put together to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Ariella Daly. She's a dream worker and a natural beekeeper living in Northern California. She fell in love with bees when a swarm of wild bees moved into the wall behind her bed. And she now teaches and speaks about natural beekeeping, the honeybee organism, and the human relationship to bees. She says that through learning to listen to the bees with all our pathways of knowing, we're learning to heal our own disconnect from the natural world. Ariella's work with bees is also informed by a decade studying European bee shamanism with the Lyceum in England. This tradition holds the honeybee as its central motif and ally. She's trained in dream work, oracular seership, the pollen method for healing, and nectary work. She sources from both the bee tradition and living with bees to facilitate retreats, workshops, and personal sessions to support healing, intuition, womb wisdom, and our inherent connection to the vitalic life force energy of the earth. Welcome to the Dreamer's Den podcast, Ariella. Thank you so much for making time to talk with me. Thank you so much, Leilani. It's wonderful to be here. I love fellow dreamers. It's such a great topic. Yes, it's such a joy to connect with your work and the way that you do the dream weaves and bring bring dreamers together. Thank you. I'd love to ask you when it was and how you first realized that dreams mattered to you. Well, that's a story in two parts. One is that I was lucky enough to be raised by a father who traveled extensively and had a very strong connection to dreams. In fact, he has shared psychic dreams with me throughout his life, telling me stories of dreaming about things that later came true. So I was raised with this idea that dreams were important. But what really got me into dream work was nightmares. Mm. I had a traumatic experience with a rattlesnake when I was four and developed very crippling nightmares for many years. And in my late teens, I started to work with the nightmares as medicine and really seek to uh, transform my dreams and develop a relationship with the serpent as ally and as a gift bringer rather than a terror to my nights. And that really opened up the world of dreams to me. Wow. So you had a waking life experience where the serpent was not symbolically scary, but life-threateningly scary, it sounds like. Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little more about what it was like to start seeing the gifts of the serpent and, and how you now see allyship there. Absolutely. At the same time in my early teens, I had developed a deep fascination for my own personal heritage in the Celtic Isles. And I wanted to understand Celtic spirituality better. And Celtic spirituality places a lot of importance on both the earth, so the, um, the animism of the earth, the sentience of the earth, and on the other world with this concept or this idea that we are surrounded all, at all times by the world of spirit, the other world, the world of uh, dreams and, you know, of course, in the Celtic imagination, the fey folk and um, 
the world of nature and nature's spirits. And that this world generally was a place of goodness and a place that wanted to you know, teach you and bring you wisdom and you could cultivate your own, what I would call body of wisdom through being in relationship with this. And that one of the places we can access that world of spirit is our dreams. The snake turned out to be a symbol, of course, I didn't know this until I started studying it, um, a symbol of regeneration, a symbol of the powerful divine feminine. You find that in many different ancient cultures and a symbol for healing, ultimately. I even learned that in many cultures to dream of a really powerful animal either overtaking you or consuming you or biting you or whatever it was, was actually a way of beginning to ingest or take on the medicine and power of that animal. And so through dream work, I was able to shift dreaming nightmares of rattlesnakes to dreaming these very potent symbolic dreams where the snake was, was much more of an ally. That translated, of course, to bees in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which also can figure in people's nightmares. But um, the, I'm wondering about um, the snake being sort of, if we were going to take the dreams literally, it would be sort of obvious, okay, this comes from my traumatic experience. But I yeah. wonder, looking back now, if you see all those nightmares as carrying both of these qualities all along, you know, referring to the traumatic experience, but also bringing in the divine feminine and what would become your later connection. Oh, snakes. certainly. Really, really good um, point you're making there. Um, Let's see, how do I say this succinctly? I am a shamanic practitioner within the tradition of bee shamanism, which places a lot of care and attention on the cultivation and rise of what we might call the feminine principle or the divine feminine. And the two central motifs that we work with are the honeybee and the snake. I remember very early on in starting to actually address these dreams and these nightmares and my fear and my phobia of the rattlesnake that I had developed as a child, uh, I started to realize that what was going on is it, in some ways an initiation or what happened at a very young age was an initiation into the world of the serpent. Mm -hmm. And that in many animistic cultures, shamanic cultures, people go through, you know, very powerful, even near death experiences or deep encounters as initiatory experiences into a deeper body of work. So I actually think that the snake was seeking my attention at a very early age and really calling me down the path of spirit. But it required <laughs> some tenacity and some willingness to look at my shadow. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a big part of dream work. You know, we we have these fantastical, beautiful dreams sometimes or really kind of boring whatever dreams, but we also have to confront shadow in our dream work. And it can be such a potent tool because it's kind of not happening in real time. We get to wake up from it and work through it as opposed to like <laughs> actually encountering a rattlesnake at four uh -huh. years old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... So as your dreaming has gone on in this shamanic tradition, do you continue to dream of snakes and dream of bees? Are they figures within your dreams? 
Certainly, yes. Although within the tradition, when we when we seek to dream with bees or dream with the serpent, we're not necessarily expecting our dreams to show up with those actual beings. It's more that you see that each of those spirits as a dream guide or dream ally or dream dream bringer. That being said, um, I, I very very much dream about bees and I dream about. Uh, the serpent, but that how I dream about it has really shifted and changed and tends to be um, very, very powerful. For instance, I just just gave birth three months ago. And in preparation for birth, I was having a lot of uh, of these birthing dreams. And one of them, I ended up in a river um, and it was the middle of winter, but the water was warm and I gave birth in winter mm. <laughs> and it was, the canyon was lined with blooming jasmine and I was swimming in the water with a giant python. And I came out of that dream recognizing that, oh, that's, that's the snake coming to say, this is, this is how birth is. It's this snaking back and forth and sinuous and in and out and not predictable and not linear and you know, so it was this really visceral dream that gave me a sense of sort of being within the waters of a transformative birthing experience. Wow. What a dream. Hmm. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Just well, abs kind of absorbing forced. that one for a moment. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, in, in Chinese medicine, we talk about the snake resonating with the spleen organ, the earth network, which is sort of the archetypal mother network. Absolutely. And, and the way that a snake can swallow something so large and it swells like a pregnant belly mm -hmm. um, and the ability to, to swell like that and process through, I'm kind of getting that image as, as I imagine the dream you just shared, how, how the snakes can still move so sinuously. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that they're also so intimately connected, as you already said, with the earth. Someone said to me once, this beautiful grandmother uh, at a um, property in Southern Arizona where they were tending to the snakes there. And she said, at no point is an, a snake not touching the sacred. Like their body mm. is always in connection with the sacred. Yeah. The snake is also very deeply connected to um, wisdom rising up from the earth within the bee tradition in relationship to the temple of Delphi and how the priestesses who gave prophecy at the ancient temple of Delphi in Greece received the prophetic messages from the female earth serpent living below the temple. Mm. So there's a lot of earth, earthly connection when we connect to snakes and, and our dreams. Yeah. And the, too. the way they're, they're either within or upon the earth mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. I was asking about whether you dream of the snakes and of the bees because you frame these dream weaves that you do on the, the solstice and the, uh, the solstices, right. Or also yeah, the solstices and equinox. Yeah. frame those as dreaming with the earth. And so I've been, I've had a, a few dreams. In fact, one I shared on your most recent dream weave that didn't feel particularly earthy, you know, but felt very much about healing the human relationship with the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, one, the one that I shared in this dream weave, I'm in the basement of an office building gathering supplies 
and I pick the seventh generation brand toilet paper, which felt like almost like a little wink from the dream to my question that this be about um, healing the earth. But the main figure of the dream is this young man who is in an aisle where you can get guns and he has a little gun that fits in the palm of his hand. And I have the impression that he's very lonely and full of longing. And he wants me to come over and look at the gun that he's holding. Uh, and I kind of in a hurry and want to leave. And so I shared that dream. And for me, it was a, a nudge again, a nudge that I repeatedly get, but don't always appreciate to keep paying attention to human matters. This dream was actually the night before uh, one of the mass shootings, one of the mm -hmm. recent mass shootings. It was uh, one that the one that happened in Colorado. And so part of what I take from dreams like that, I've had others that, you know, involve me driving my Prius and that's like the nod to human and earth relationship. Um, I take that I need to keep tending to the human aspect of all of this, the human interrelationships and the pain that humans are in that are, you know, causing a lot of our destructive behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so juxtaposed with all these dreams of, you know, sprouts coming out of the earth or how rivers flow or... Um, you know, just more earthy dreams, let's say. I, I was curious about your take on all of that, like how the dreams are sometimes shaped from or with these energies and these beings and or dreams that contain more direct imagery. Yeah, I, I think that when we go into intentional dreaming or seek to dream with a spirit such as the spirit of the earth, and to clarify, um, for those of you listening, I do a dream activism project with Gabriela Gutierrez, who, where we invite anyone who wants for free to actively dream or dream with intention, in the sense that you dream with the earth for a healed earth and we do that all collectively on the same night or couple of nights and then gabriella and i put the dreams together in what's called a dream weave and offer it back as a message from the earth so uh often when people want to dream intentionally we, we kind of we want those dreams that are flowery or yeah, you said the river or these, these kind of obvious dreams, but generally the dreams aren't going to be obvious. And I love dreams like you just described that have this human element in, um, in eco-psychology when I first encountered it as a framework for working with healing, there's this idea that to heal the earth, we have to heal ourselves and to heal ourselves, we have to heal the earth. It happens at the same time. And the, hu the humans, we aren't separate from nature. We look at nature as something that's out there, over there, the wild is out there, over there, but really we are part of it. And so in a dream like you're describing, I love the way you, like what you gleaned from it. What I also see is that, you know, basements or underground, that's connecting us to uh, what we often speak to as like subterranean or chthonic wisdom, which is is in the bee tradition at least, and other traditions as well, very much the earth mother coming through or that earth energy coming through, but also that which has been hidden or that which isn't being seen, that which is kind of occluded beneath. And within that is the deeply wounded masculine. Mm -hmm. And that masculine is wounded within each of us 
whether we're male or female, as well as in, like, as you said, pay attention to the human world, as well as out there in the human world. And he's he has this tool of destruction in his hands, but he wants you to come to him. Mm -hmm. like, that desire for healing in the out of balance wounded masculine is is calling to us all. So there's these archetypal images showing up in your dream as well as very direct messaging as you showed showed us with the mass shooting taking place. Mm -hmm. We gotta do the work at the same time. You can't do it all at once though. So you have to sort of pick whatever is most calling to you and and heal yourself by healing the earth and heal the earth by healing yourself. Yeah. And as you say, you know, weaving ourselves back into the idea of nature, that it's all, it's all one process and ecosystem of, of healing. And I think that a lot of the ways that you speak about bees, you know, as they're in their own organism, maybe you could talk about that a little bit, how they are individual beings, but also one organism. I feel like that's such a gorgeous microcosm of this whole thing we're talking about. Certainly. We often hear people talk about hive mind or hive mentality, and that comes from this understanding of the biological organism. A honeybee is part of a super organism, meaning an organism made up of a number of individuals and it's a social organism. So they create a society and that culture or that society of individuals, um, each individual can, the hive can survive, for instance, without some of the individuals, but the individuals as an individual bee cannot survive without the hive as a whole. One of the things that the beehive does is swarm, uh, which is reproductive. So they swarm or split in two and create an entirely new hive body. And in this way, the bee and the serpent are very similar. It's part of why they're connected because they have this regenerative quality where they self-regenerate just as the serpent sheds its skin and self-regenerates in this really beautiful symbolic way. So yeah, they're, they're pretty incredible creatures in their own right. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure people are curious about the phrase bee shamanism. I know that was new to me when I heard that's something mm -hmm. that you participate in. And I don't know how much you can really share about that in this kind of a context, but if there's a way to give us a glimpse of what that means and how dreams play a role in, in what you're doing with the bees, I'd love to hear about that. Bee shamanism in the way I talk about it comes from a European tradition. Bees have, have been seen as sacred in many different cultures. And so I'm speaking particularly to a folk tradition that comes out of Celtic Britain, Lithuania, and has its roots in ancient Greece, where the bee priestesses were known as Melissa. And these priestesses, there were different um, aspects of them. There were the priestesses of the Temple of Aphrodite, who were known as Melissa. There were the priestesses who tended to the Eleusinian Mysteries, where there was the reenactment of the Demeter Persephone story, and they mm -hmm. were called Melissa. And then there were also the Melissa B priestesses at Delphi, where the woman giving prophecy was named the Delphic Bee. So there's this lineage that reaches back in time, but it's also incredibly relevant to now. And bee shamanism as a whole works with 
of course, the, the bee is a central motif and ally, but also with our own body as the sacred tool, as the alchemical chamber, as the dreaming vessel. We work primarily with, at least for the, the female aspect of it, um, although this does extend beyond, we work with men and women, but for women who identify with the womb, we work primarily with the womb as a healing vessel and the dreaming vessel. There are other ways, of course, if you don't have a womb that you can connect with dreaming, but this is just one example mm -hmm. within the tradition. And this uh, dreaming from this place, we, you know, the womb is this place of creation and it's mirrored in the wombic earth that creates and flowers and the starry void and cosmos that creates um, births planets, births stars, births life into being. So there's this connection with life force energy mm -hmm. and coming life force energy coming from the dark into existence, just like the snake comes from the earth out into the light and the bees in the spring emerge from hollows and caves and pollinate the earth. So we work with dreaming from the womb connecting to something called the dream weave which circles around the earth and is made up of all of the dreamers all of the beings on earth and each being connects up through threads to this weave this weave ends up becoming the great dream of the earth and what i love about that within these this the bee shamanism tradition is there's this um, not just idea, but but call to dream a greater self, a fully expressed self, a healed self, a healed earth, a healed planet into being through connecting to this dream of the earth that is the dream weave. So that's one aspect of bee shamanism. There are others. We have healing modalities we work with. We um, do work with seership, which is connected to the oracular tradition um, that reaches back to Delphi and so forth and so on. Wow. Well, I'm trying to choose which of the many questions and branches I want to ask you from that amazing picture you just painted. So, well, one thing I'm curious about is you've described this as, you know, an intact tradition coming through a folk tradition that went all the way back to ways that dreaming and oracular practices and temples were a part of life in ancient Greece. And do you know much about the story of this and how this tradition has survived to be something you can be a part of now? Mm. This is something that the intellectual part of me just really wishes there was a book written about uh -huh. there isn't and there won't be mm -hmm. there may be books written about the tradition tradition itself but not about the lineage because ultimately it's a folk tradition mm -hmm. so it's a small tradition it's not like widespread wide, widespread religion it's a small folk tradition and it has been passed down orally so it wasn't written. And I uh -huh. remember very, very early on when I first started studying it, one of my teachers said that this tradition survived by hiding in plain sight. So an example of that would be um, using certain everyday tools as sacred tools. 
um, one of the most common that we know of and think of often when we think of European women's um, spirituality is the broom, uh -huh. which of course became something connected with the broomstick and witches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but another example of that, of like how that's evolved in, into, you know, today, because it's a living tradition, which means it gets added to and passed on through this oral culture, which is not something that we're used to nowadays. We aren't used to oral culture, mm -hmm. uh, listening to teachings versus reading things or having things delineated in the book. One of the other tools that we use today is the bee smoker, which is of course used on beehives to calm and soothe the bees and wasn't something that was necessarily used by the ancient bee priestesses because it hadn't been invented at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Did they use smudge? Did they use smoke? Absolutely. But in terms of the bee smoker as a sacred tool, that's a more modern adaptation of these teachings. So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tricky answer. <laughs> I wish I could give you more. Um, I will say that there is a private version of this tradition that has remained private and will remain private and that what i am connected to is the public face of this tradition um as my my teachers uh kate shella and naomi lewis um and then of course simon buxton who wrote the book the shamanic way of the bee were were asked to bring this lineage into the public face while some of it has and will remain private i see well, yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. I, there, There is no better answer, really. I mean, I think that I, too, am very curious, and I would love to know the story, but there are a lot of stories that aren't meant to be told in just casually in a public way, and things that do survive in this, you know, generation to generation orally and allowed to adapt as time goes by is such a beautiful way for things to be passed on that is probably undervalued, you know, maybe, maybe not so not considered as valid, like you say, as things that are delineated in a book. So mm -hmm. I like hearing you talk about it and to be, to embrace it for exactly what it is and how it's gotten here. And, well, and in an oral culture, you don't get that instant gratification. Yeah. You, you, you can't just jump to the end of the book. You yeah. have to wait and really trust that when the teaching is meant to come through, it'll come through either through hopefully your own direct interaction and your own direct knowing that is later confirmed by perhaps someone who's a little further down the path than you versus just being told. Right. Yeah. It's like a practice. It's something you have to, you have to engage in to learn it. Yeah. Do you have any dreams or dream images that you'd be open to sharing, whether from yourself or from another that's been shared with you that you feel like is a part of this direct learning, like figuring it out as, as you partake in it. Yeah. I've had a lot of very kind of profound symbolic dreams that have shown up in my life, uh, particularly when I've been over in England studying, although you don't have to go to England to connect with this work. Um, but that's where I studied at the sacred trust, uh, couple of examples. I remember the first night I was ever taking a course over there, I dreamt about two roads and on one road was 
a rattlesnake and on the other road was a rattlesnake like either way there was these snakes on the road and it was like sending me on my way one or the other and then the very next day um one of the beginning teachings began by referencing two roads so Mm. oh interesting but uh at another point early on i had a dream and this has stayed with me for years of these three uh, it was just an image where i was standing behind three women in long skirts and they were each standing on the trunk of a tree uh, like a, a tree that had been cut Um, But it's almost as if they were the extension of the tree, like they embodied the tree. Mm. And each of them, they had no shirts on. They were, their backs were to me. They had long flowing skirts and each of them had their hands up in the air. And from their hands emanated threads. And it was like they were weaving something in the air. And I through my study have found so many correlations to that. I didn't know, I didn't really understand how paramount weaving was to this tradition at that point. Um, Obviously you hear about it in the dream weave uh, Mm -hmm. in that reference, but weaving magic is very much connected to European women's spirituality in many different European cultures. I hadn't connected the dots that the ancient Melissa B priestesses, like one of the reliefs of them uh, is of women in long skirts with no shirts on. So mm. that came later, you know, so that was an example of having an image presented to myself and then later actually finding a depiction of that from antiquity. That kind of stuff can be really, really powerful. It just affirms something deep within us. Yeah. Yeah. I really resonate with that sense that when the dream connects to then what, what I see in waking life, it's like an affirmation of, you know, this is, this is where I was headed, or this is why that chord was struck. And, and even, even just to, to highlight, if this were my dream, it would be to say, yes, weaving matters. Yes. Standing beside other women matters. Yeah. You know, that, that it's going to be core. Right. And um, I think one of the biggest teachings that has come from this work is how important sisterhood is or sisterhood and brotherhood and, you know, depending on how you want to approach it, but this community aspect of the hive that, that, you know, we're not alone and each of us brings particular gifts to, to the cauldron. Right. It's the magic potion that we're all seeking to drink from. Yeah. And the, the weave around the earth. I love that image too, that we're dreaming that together and all mm-hmm. that all of our dreams are weaving. Do you, do you really value sharing dreams aloud as a part of that? I mean, actually hearing one another's dreams. Yes. Uh, that's the other major part of the dreaming tradition. It's not just a dreaming intentionally, uh, tradition. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Tradition. I don't know how to say that right, but it's not just dreaming intentionally. It's also dream sharing. And within dream sharing, there's a practice called dream mirroring, where we listen to the dream in a certain way, kind of dropped in in an altered state. And then we mirror back um, a, more of an intuitive mirror rather than an interpretation of that dream. Um, but it's coming from this sort of meditative state. So you're, you're not trying to work it out with your 
brain, which we often call our second brain, you're trying to work it, you're, you're letting whatever is come, rising up come through your body. Mm-hmm. And you're sharing that back with someone, which is a really wonderful thing. It's actually what I teach in both of my dreaming courses, Dreaming with Bees and Betwixt and Between. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a really related, but it's going to feel totally different than like projective dream work where I imagine my own version of your dream. Like as I, the kind of the language that I used, if that were my dream, it would be saying weaving matters and standing beside other women matters. Um, So I'm sort of telling you what it brings up for me Hmm. um, so that it may or may not strike a chord for you. But I, in this, in this tradition, we always phrase things in the eye because I have no idea what your dream really looked like. I only have my imagined version of it and my life experience and biases to, to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mirroring, I, I love it. It's like very similar in that it's a, a personal experience that's then shared, but that it's not necessarily going to be in the realm of recognizing symbols or processing the plot line of the dream, but more, right. yeah. Right. And I think that's important because, first of all, symbols mean so many different things in different cultures. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just look at something like the Japanese color white and its relationship to life and death versus our relationship to the color white in Western culture. So mm-hmm. there's all these different examples of symbols. You never know what that symbol means to someone. But the other thing I love about dream mirroring is that it doesn't just include um, what might sound like interpretation. It includes body sensation, emotional experience. Um, you know, I've had mirrors dream- mirrors received as a drawing from someone. I've experienced um, kind of seeing a whole different thing going on, like images that aren't related to the dream showing up while I'm listening to the dream. and when you do this, especially in a group, what you get back is this kind of multifaceted feast of metaphor and symbol and dream food to feed your own deeper inquiry into your dream. And there's actually many times things are revealed that the person, um, you know, may not have shared with the group about their own personal life, but it's somehow answered in the mirrors because yeah. you're getting out of your own way and you're letting, you know, the spirit guide you in your intuitive share. I've had people in dream groups do, I think, something similar to what it sounds like you're talking about where they'll say, well, I'm not sure what to say about this dream, but can I tell you the song that popped into my head while I was listening? Ah. Yeah, that. Yeah. And and that's the stuff. That's the gold. That's why I tell people like even a song might pop into your head or a folk story or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it can be so golden. Or I've found myself sometimes um, like absentmindedly massaging a certain acupressure point (laughs) while someone's talking and then down the line, oh, maybe that was for the character in the dream, right? But my body was perceiving that before or instead of, you know, me sort of putting it together verbally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if this is kind of a new idea for listeners, the idea of uh, listening in a meditative state and seeing what comes up in the body or other associations, do you have maybe 
any advice or guidance or things to watch for if they want to experiment with listening to dreams that way in their dream groups? Sure. Yeah. So I think that it can be really helpful to focus in on one particular uh, organ or region in the body. Within these ways, there is an understanding that, of course, I've spoken to the womb as a, as a dreaming vessel. So there's the womb as a place to mirror from. There's also uh, what we call a system of roses and stars within the body that are connected to our endocrine system and these energy centers can also be wisdom centers so I, I in terms of dream mirroring i would say experiment with what it is to either breathe into drop into see if you can sit within the belly or the womb both of those places if you're male you can work with it as the belly if you're if you have a womb, you can work with the womb, or you can work with sort of wombic consciousness within your body, whatever that might mean for you. Um, or you can connect in with the heart. And so you're sitting there as if you are speaking from that place, listening from that place, uh, being in the dark, eyes closed. Uh, there's a lot more to it, but really allowing yourself to feel like you're inhabiting a part of your body, a part of this beautiful system of your body, heart or womb or belly that really is its own wisdom center and can offer wisdom back. So that's one thing to consider. Um, also to open up to all of your senses. So we've spoken to this a little bit already, but you know, your emotions are one of the things that can be deeply informing and can connect you to that intuitive hit. Your, um, you know, random thoughts that pop into your head sometimes are clues, just a sense of knowing. Um, we've talked about the way like a song or a phrase or a memory can come in as you're listening to a dream from somebody you can feel physical sensation in your body. There's just so many ways that we learn and know and ingest deeper wisdom. So giving yourself permission to have what you see with a capital S be more than just visual is really important in this work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's wonderful. I, I'm excited about that invitation. I'm sure a lot of people will want to open up to that. It reminds me of what I was reading in your bio about listening to bees with all the pathways of knowing. And this is like listening to the dreams with all the pathways of perceiving what, what might be coming through there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, this was wonderful. I feel like I got a feast of um, imagery and connection, little touches in of connection with this amazing tradition that you're a part of. Before we wrap up, is there any anything else you'd like to share with listeners? Any final thoughts you want to offer up? Yeah, sure. Um, when we work with dreaming with the spirit of something, such as dreaming with bees, you can work with this idea of it as a whole, you know, the overall spirit of the bees. But you can also work with things on an individual level. And I think that that's something that can be really powerful for 
those of us, whether we live in a city or live in, you know, a rural and rural environment, it can be helpful to connect with the actual bioregion. And that in turn helps us deepen to our connection with the earth. What I mean by that for bees, for instance, instead of dreaming with bees in general, if you are a beekeeper, what would it mean to intend to dream together with your hive in the backyard? Mm -hmm. What would it mean to dream with the oak tree that you know you grew up playing on at your parents' house? Uh, what would it mean to dream with the falcons that you happen to see in Central Park regularly and to just receive that connective dreaming with them? And when I say with, it's an invitation. So there's nothing forced about it. It's this like, I'm inviting the falcons of Central Park or, um, you know, the California poppies that I see every day on my walk to to join me and to share their wisdom with me, to bring in their flavor, to seed my dreams and then see what happens. You might not dream about that thing, but you your dream will change tone and it takes mm -hmm. time. It takes practice to dream this way, but it does give us a way to connect. And of course, beyond the natural world, there's the human world. So taking this practice into dreaming with people. Wow. It was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I got chills. I, I want to dream with all the different plants that are just growing so fast in my garden right now. I'm like dream with the peas and then dream with the ponderosa outside <laughs> dream with the calendula i'm pretty yeah. sure that's how people originally got their knowledge from yeah. plants you know it wasn't just trial and error it was also being in communion and dreaming with them absolutely direct perception and dreaming and communion i think that seems so much more likely a root for a lot of the wisdom than what generations and generations of trial and error. And I think the same is true for how we originally found, you know, the channels in the body for acupuncture, the, the anatomy and physiology of Chinese medicine, dreaming maybe, but also, you know, qigong and really direct perception. And I just love this. I, I don't know why it never occurred to me to intend to dream with a certain plant. You know, I've sat with plants and listened to them and I've dreamt, I've set intentions to dream for my own healing, but I, I just have never done this. And it's, it sounds really powerful. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it can be a really wonderful way to connect. And, and often, you know, when we dream with plants, they can show up as like a human formed being in our dreams. You know, I've had that happen mm. with like certain plants showing up, uh, like a plant that was very connected to Irish mythology showing up as this kind of red haired Bridget. And then I found out that connected oh, cool. to Bridget as a sacred plant with for her. So, you know, they speak in many ways. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. That's, that's all great nourishment for our dreaming. And if anyone wants to get more of your wonderful flavor of nourishment do you have courses going on or how can people find you and work with you yeah my website is honeybewild h-o-n-e-y-b-e-e -E -E, wild 
dreamingclassesonline.com. You can find beekeeping classes on there as well as my two primary dreaming classes. You can join Gabriella and I anytime at the solstices or the equinoxes to participate in dreaming with the earth and receiving the dream weaving back in return. I'll also be launching a dreaming class working with the interior garden and the flowering of your interior garden in uh, with the shift network uh, that's happening in July, although you can attend the class beyond the start date, but it does start July 12th of 2021. And that will be a seven week class uh, called dreaming in the garden of the hives. I'm really excited about that one. And you can always find me at beekeeping in skirts on Instagram. Yes, which is a lot of fun to follow you on Instagram, I have to say. Beautiful. <laughs> be, be imagery and stories. Um, all right. I will link to all of those opportunities, your website and the, the course with the Shift Network as well in our show notes. Thank you again so very much for making time as a new mom to talk with me about all of this. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for your really thoughtful um, questions. I can tell that you really take time to delve into what all this dream work means. So I really enjoyed your questions. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thanks to you for listening. How did you like that conversation? I found the things Ariella talks about pretty enchanting. I'm so curious to hear what struck a chord for you or what you're curious about. Come leave a comment on the show notes at thedreamersden.org slash 31. You'll also find links there to all the ways to connect with Ariella and come to thedreamersden.org slash dreamgroups if you want to sign up for a live group with me. I'll be back on the new moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.